Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer, we can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. And I'm Scott Beer, cold beer enthusiast. Welcome to episode 60 of Beer Nuts, the podcast. And, mate, today's a special one. We have Uncle Steve Boshens here from Bo's in. Uh, is Uncle Steve okay? Sure. <laughs> Just always excited Australia, now. It's an Australian thing. Mate, I've got nephews. It's a thing. It counts. Thanks Thank for you for us. having us. Thank you for having us. You did? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So, it is Uncle Steve. So, anyone sees him? <laughs> Uncle Steve. Uh, mate, thank you for having us out here in, uh, at the brewery, which is. Thanks for coming huge. out. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. It's uh, the day after Oktoberfest. We're all alive. Up. We're still here. We made the it. Eyes we made are it open. Yeah. yeah. Slightly. Yeah. There's Bro. some bags, but they're open. <laughs> We're all here. How you feeling? You looking? Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, we had a great weekend. It uh, just surpassed all our expectations. I'm not surprised. Uh, two years ago, we moved it uh, forward a week, and okay. uh, the weather has just cooperated. Oh, yeah. Like, like you wouldn't believe since. Yeah. Yeah. So been phenomenal. We're glad we did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. And this was the ninth year running, right? Yeah. Ninth year. Uh, we're now well over half a million dollars raised for charity. Amazing. Uh, we figure we added about seventy-five thousand for charity over the last weekend. And, That's crazy. Uh, about twenty thousand people showed up. Damn. And man, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> so did we. Didn't yeah. we though? This, oh, is, good. this is our first year. We'd heard about it constantly, I'd say the last two or three years, people were always okay. like, Are you on October Fest? Are you on October Fest? And we just hadn't done it. And we we're talking with Taylor and Jen and uh, it all worked out. And we were just shocked. Like we rocked up and I didn't know what we to expect. We didn't know what to expect, yeah. We've been to a few big beer fests, you know, we went to the Michigan summer beer festival this year. Yeah. We go to Chambly every year and they're pretty sizable, so I expected that, but Jesus, not like 10,000 people. A brewery like... run beer festival, so there's yeah. not a ton, well, there were some guest taps, but for the most part, it was a Bose oh, beer yeah. festival, and we showed up, and we're like, where, where are we right yeah. now? And there's it was honestly keg toss, and music, <laughs> and beer, it was awesome. Bands, yeah. skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The kind of the idea behind it is trying to take everything we're passionate about and, you know, condense it down into like two days of this is what Bose stands for. So we've got obviously the charity elements. We bring out 17 of our own beers. On top of that, we bring in all of our friends' beers from, you know, we had uh, lots of Ontario and Quebec stuff. We also had uh, Hunapu from yeah, Cigar so City there. We had Oxford. Uh, yeah. We missed um, out on that. Yeah, it's it uh, tough to get out of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then we've got all the fun activities. We've got, you know, one stage that's just dedicated to, you know, underground punk rock stuff. Yes. And then the main stage, which is all the, you know, sort of bigger name indie Canadian acts. Um, and, and, and you get a, a, just a whole sense of community that, uh, that really sort of evolves around it. And, uh, you know, the part that I really giggle about is, is the entire town of Fankley Hill has 1,800 people. So we get more, <laughs> more than 10 times, in. yeah, we get more than 10 times the town's population. Wow. Yeah. How, how does the town feel about it? I was going to ask, yeah. They're super supportive. They're, like, they're proud. proud. And that's, that's the cool part. You know, after the festival and during the festival, people come up and they're like, oh, you've put Vankley Kill on the map, yeah. you know, and this is so cool. And uh, it's, it's great seeing so much pride coming out because we've always had this, this quirky, fun town that just nobody knew about. Right. And so the brewery's kind of highlighted this, like, quirky, yeah, yeah. fun town. I guess it's okay cool. for two days. If it was a month-long festival, people might start to, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. uh, wear it getting on. Yeah. <laughs> I assume you're, like, putting, like generating crazy dollars for the economy in the area the local businesses are benefiting you've got the campsite so that people are staying over they go into supermarkets and restaurants and yeah for sure and on top of that we spend uh probably around four hundred thousand dollars on the goods and services that are sourced locally to put the festival on 
Right, like the tents and the all the tents, the and sound system, and right. uh, all of the things that you see there cost a lot of money, and we do our best to source it as close to home as possible. Amazing. So it, it brings in just a, a ton of a ton of economics just in putting the festival on. Right. But then when you've got twenty thousand people that all you know stop for gas, buy groceries, have a meal. Um, yeah, it, it, everybody benefits. That's fantastic. I think though. no one benefits more than the Windsor Tavern, but that's okay because yeah. they're, they're good guys. So, so eight people, that's like the yeah. after party uh, spot? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. the one? Yeah. No, super impressive, man. So that was, it was a cool feel too, and you yeah. have that Oktoberfest feel with like the, the tents and the, that, the, the green picnic hats. tables, and everyone has their leader ozone on. Yeah, we saw and, you yeah. had your joke Yeah, we saw you getting Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> happiest yeah. man in the festival. Happiest man in the world right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard not to be happy. <laughs> I, that's what we were saying. Like, like, how can you be upset? running a pretty big ass brewery just kind of yeah anything about running a brewery is like if you're not having fun at this you're in their own profession what are you doing (laughs) we always notice we come to these breweries and everyone has this big stupid grin ear to ear i'm like you're so happy (laughs) you're at work (laughs) this is why we're we get to drink beer (laughs) we got we got a whole bunch of stuff today we started off uh with something else like scott and i have the infinity Infinity mirror Mirror which is our first time trying this super super great love it fantastic bread ipa cheers guys cheers Cheers. What do you got there? I got blood tread. I got my baby yeah. blood tread. Are we sitting within like uh, hundreds of thousands of liters of blood tread right now? Is that what's going we on? We are, yeah. So, so each of these fermenters around us has about forty-two thousand liters of beer. So we we brew six batches back to back to fill one of these tanks. Damn. And uh, yeah, it's. It's kind of awesome. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Strange Brew. Yeah. But every time I walk in here, I get that line yeah, stuck in my <laughs> head. Uh, I always thought the drowning in beer would be like heaven. My brother's not here, and I got two soakers. This isn't heaven. This sucks. <laughs> such a great movie. So Canadian. <laughs> so Canadian. Oh, I heard. Have to own it. Oh man. Just a couple of hosers. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Eh? What's the uh, capacity of the entire brewery now? Because there's two big boys outside of this notice. I haven't been here for a couple of years. We yeah. never made it this far back in the brewery oh, no. tour. We only saw the we front little room. We thought we were good. We like, oh, this is like, it? You know, okay. ten, like whatever, yeah. five times or something. Yeah. And, uh, Capacity for us has been funny. Like We started off literally as small as you can start a brewery. And we didn't, we didn't you know, have rich backers or you know, deep pockets or anything. So we've just kind of expanded a, just enough capacity to kind of get through the next year, year after year. So uh, this year we're going to be putting out about 65,000 hectoliters, which is six and a half million liters of beer, Jesus. which is crazy. I mean, That's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's silly. It's a silly <laughs> amount of beer. It's ridiculous and you need um, to stop it. Co- compared to like a, a, like a macro brewery, this is like, you know, less beer than they would spill in a day. But, <laughs> but for us, because we started off so small, like, you know, my perspective is just just is incredible. One of amazement, right? You know? uh, never would have guessed that we could we could be at this point, but you know our capacity this year is about sixty five thousand hectoliters because that's how much we figure we're gonna brew. Right. Um, and now and it's like every year we gotta find a find a way like how are we going to make enough beer to get through next okay. year? Right. Um, so next year our capacity will be slightly more, and okay. the year after yeah. that a little bit more than that. And it's uh, it kind of it's a fun way to do it. It's crazy because it's like this has been a nonstop construction zone for the last eleven years. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like we never had to go out and borrow, you know, tens of millions of dollars, and then and then be worried about can we grow into this capacity? Right. It's like we get just enough to get through next year, and it makes it it makes it so that it always feels safe. Right. That's great. 
going. I was going to say, are you distributing exclusively in Canada? I know you recently um, expanded out to Quebec. Yeah, uh, and out west too. All the out west guys are always taking photos of, uh, of bows, and I'm like, man, y'all look so want to trade it out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now uh, they can get that. it all. Sorry, that. I read yeah. it. We're <laughs> trading game, Steve. Damn you. Yeah, we're pretty much right across the country now, and uh, we're also selling into New York State. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, that's actually starting to really take off for us, which is amazingly cool. And uh, our very first shipment uh, went to Massachusetts like uh, about a week ago. So very cool. cool. Yeah. What's the volume going out? Well, I guess because this is, this is going to be aired in the future, I should say. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it just, uh, just just went out about 13 weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, We're living in the, the future, future, man. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Yeah, man. <laughs> has the uh, response, like, how does that mean expanding to the States? Is that like a whole uh, new challenge, being that the sales yeah. are different? And... I mean, the uh, the interesting thing is it was a whole lot easier to, to do the process to get into the States than it is to get in most Canadian provinces. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, as much like I, I love drinking in, in the U.S. and I love every different market there. Uh, well, maybe not everyone, but no, mostly. Yeah. Like, there's a lot They're of cool scenes good. there. Yeah. But uh, when we started selling, we figured it would work exactly the same as it did here. And there's like subtle, nuanced differences that, uh, that really sort of took us a while to understand. So we, we've been selling into New York for about two years. Okay. Uh, it's really only in the last three months that we kind of got things right and suddenly we're seeing the sales take off. Right. And that's, again, you know, kind of our way of doing things is go in without really knowing what you're doing, but go in small and go in slow, figure it out, and then say, okay, like, let's, let's do a little bit more of it. Right. And so that's kind of what we're doing right across the country right now is... Um, we started off in Quebec, and that's taken off like crazy. So yeah. that's that's like ten percent of our sales now is that just is, in wow. Quebec. That's amazing. Um, we're we're pretty much in all the other provinces now, and we're finding you know some provinces are growing faster than others, and some we have to tweak you know okay. some things. But uh, it's usually sort of product mix that, okay. which is the interesting part. Is so you know you're trying to find out where the tastes lie in each yeah. place. So yeah. what's what's the general without giving if it's giving away the secret sauce type of thing? Like I guess you probably lead with lug tread and be like, all right, I think this one could do some tongue green. This could do some kiss my like. What's the deal? Like how does that? Yeah, work? what uh, what seems the way I like to do it myself is put everything there and see what people gravitate towards, right. and then and then give them more of that. <laughs> and then just like cull. But that's hard to do because uh, some of the provinces are still sort of uh, government run. And right. so they will say, no, we want this one. And then if that one doesn't do well, it's very hard to convince them, well, maybe we should try a different one. Right. Um, so it's, you know, and typically, you know, the, typically a government store or government agency is going to say, well, give me the one that sells the most, which is lug tread. Right. Um, and the interesting thing is, you know, if, uh, if you're in BC, uh, you're probably getting, uh, you know, something from Philips to kind of satisfy your right. your sort of lug tread like need, mm -hmm. uh, but you probably don't get a lot of gruits. So you know, maybe it's our gruits that are going to sell better better there. I can't think of many other than the ones you I guys were talking made. about yeah. it yesterday, and I yeah. couldn't think of any other. Yeah. Than so that. what we're finding to sort of get noticed in other provinces, it tends to be the stuff that here is, is a very small amount of our sales, but it's the stuff that people are like, whoa, I've never had one of these before. Yeah. 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 That's cool. um, so that's, it's, and it's a great way to sort of lead into a market. You're like, hey, we do this like 
crazy awesome stuff that you've never never tried before. Oh, that's really cool. Hey, we also have this really uh, subtly balanced, complex, crisp, drinkable beer. Why don't you try, you try that, that too? <laughs> you know, but uh, but having a way to kind of get someone's attention uh, right now, and I think this is this is kind of like this is the kind of thing where when I hear a brewer complain about this, I really laugh. There's so much choice right now there is. that it's it's a little bit difficult to get someone's attention. As a beer drinker, I think this is the best thing that could Absolutely. have ever happened. Absolutely. The amount of choice people have is staggering it's and insane, and it's wonderful. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about <laughs> Not that. Not at all. But uh, you know, in 2006 when we opened, you know, just being a brewery was exciting to people. Right. Uh, now it's like okay. I, you can get a Kolsch in pretty much every province. You can get an IPA pretty much everywhere. Yes. Um, what can you What can you give me that I haven't had before is kind of an interesting challenge at times. Right. You hook them with a Kolsch and then you feed them all, all the other fun interesting all the stuff. Opposite that or the opposite. Right? Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's the funny that. thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's the that's funny it. thing is Ontario, we led with Lug Tread. Right. And then, hey, Everyone's like, why don't you try all this other yeah. stuff we can do? Whereas everywhere else, it's like, yeah, I've, I've had a coach before. I, I'm not that interested in trying yours until right. they've tried something. Like, wow, you guys can make some beer. Yeah. And then to me, it's like lug tread. Uh, to me, is, is the analogy I like is um, you ever go to a really good Italian restaurant? Their best slice of pizza is the margarita. Yes, because mm-hmm. it's most simple, basic. It's yeah. straight to the point, and and you can't hide anything. <laughs> it's but if if they're a really good pizzeria. Their best slice is that margarita. Absolutely. And Lug Tread, you know, is such a wonderful beer, but it's it's not the one that's going to hit you over the head and, like, stand out in a right. festival kind of thing. Yeah. Right. It's the beer that, like, you have one, you're like, man, that was good, and I could have another. Well, it's a beer that I often tell people about that are in the craft beer scene. They mm. say, you know, I'm a, for yeah, those rich, macro yeah. lager drinkers, I'm like, do you want that but with flavor and good ingredients? <laughs> Try <laughs> this Lug Tread. They usually come hangover? back and say, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah, I love yeah, this. Yeah. And, I think in general the Kolsch style is good for that. Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, what I love, what I love about it is, um, I, I feel like there's a there's a journey that people go on with craft beer, and they need a gateway like Lug Tread exactly. to to kind of understand what's going on, mm-hmm. and then about a year in they're like all into the hops and they're like, I hate Lug Tread. <laughs> it's not a real craft beer, and then they burn out their taste buds yeah. and they've tried every 11% you know Belgian triple there is and every imperial stout and then, they come and then they're like back. I'm gonna try a lug tread and they're like oh wow it's amazing yeah. now I actually and, and the interesting thing is that's when they finally really get what lug treads Absolutely. about it starts off as like oh this isn't too weird and when you come back to it at the end you're like this is such a well-made well put together but simple beer yeah. we hear that a lot of brewers say their favorite styles of beers are things like Pilsners and Kolsch's, things that are, like you said, that with the uh, margarita pizza analogy, it's like just stripped down and yeah. if the beer is good, it's really going to shine through. So I think brewers styles. specifically even get more of that craziness. Right, because they're always else. trying the most yeah. insane. Yeah, and then yeah. like, they've got to appeal to that, uh, that crowd. So they come back and they, we have actually a lightning round at the end of this. And one of the questions is, um, what's, what do you think the future trends are? And I would say seven or eight times that. Yeah. And they always say it's uh, Lagos, Pilsners, Kolsch, like yeah. light crisp, refreshing beers that you can't hide anything, and that's where the, the trends are going yeah. with. You I was going like, to say space travel. 
That that could be a trend as well. <laughs> I, look forward, I look forward to the lightning round now. So a bit of a segue then. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the history with Lug Trend, can you speak to your history and how how this uh, yeah. whole thing even happened? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess the the start for me uh, was a visit my dad uh, made. To, uh, I was living in Toronto at the time. Uh, he'd been running a textile business in this building. And the whole textile industry in Canada basically left. So he went from running this small but profitable business and kind of gearing up for retirement to losing all of his customers in like a, a one to two year period. Wow. So he came and visited me and he was like, yeah, I got to shut the, the business down. My absolute last customer just declared bankruptcy. Damn. And I was like, wow, what are you going to do? And so we actually, we, we sat down with a pint of beer and we started going through some of the thoughts he'd had, you know, and he so already owned the building. Yeah. So he yeah. had the building um, and he had, I guess he'd been thinking about this for months as he saw the, the writing on the wall, but this was kind of my first time talking to him about it. And so he had, you know, this idea and that idea and we were kind of walking through and at some point he's like, yeah, you know, Steve, you're a home brewer and uh, you're always coming home with all these, you know, wild beers. What do you think about this, uh, you know, an idea where I open a craft brewery in, in Eastern Ontario? And I was like, well, if you're serious, Dad, I'll quit my job, I'll sell my house, I'll move home, I'll start a brewery with you. And so we just spent the rest of the day dreaming up this brewery we were going to start. And That's I like crazy. to joke and say that uh, the next day we sobered up and it still seemed like a good idea. <laughs> And then we just, uh, you know, literally started working on the business plan the next day. Amazing. Uh, never looked back. It took it took a while. When uh, was that? When was that chat? Um, I've been saying it was 2004 since I can't remember. My dad the other day is like, I think it was 2005. Mm -hmm. So now I'm all confused <laughs> in my head. Somewhere in and around. God damn it, Dad. Yeah. So. How many beers did you have that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I lost the whole year yeah. of my life. <laughs> But but yeah, so it either took you know a year or two, depending mm -hmm. on which which version Give of reality. Take. Take. It's fine. Who cares? Uh, but yeah, in that in that time frame, uh, like I said, I was a home brewer, but I did not feel like I was the one to be the brewer for the mm -hmm. for the brewery. So first thing we had to do was find a brewmaster. We had to find money because he had the building, which was great, but uh, the banks liter literally wouldn't even let us mortgage the building um, yeah. on a business plan to get all, all the stuff to get to get things going. <clears throat> we finally got uh, uh, you know enough friends and family members crazy enough to give us a bit of, of starting funding. That was like long before crowdfunding or crowdsourcing. Uh, That's right. Yeah, it wasn't a, that wasn't a thing that we knew about. Oh, gee. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and then eventually then uh, the business development bank you know put in a little bit and that got us off the ground and we've literally we've grown the business uh, since then uh, entirely by reinvesting uh, into the business and you know borrowing from the bank we've never you know sort of taken on that venture capital or the you know large investor kind of thing which has really helped us stay you know kind of firmly independent and that was important to you yeah, it's yep. been it's uh, it's been sort of one of my big things is you know I don't want someone else to tell me that I have to brew shitty beer or you know yeah. you know do something that I feel ruins the integrity of what we're about and it's like founder syndrome right like to me it's all about the legacy of this brewery is right. is the most important thing and uh, it's not it's not how much profit we're making it's not 
our, how much did we grow last year. It is what what are we doing to leave behind, uh, you know, for the craft beer scene, for our community, um, you know, what what are people going to remember us by? Right. So. That's dope. We actually were. Uh, you and I spoke when we did a quick interview for Bruce. Uh, Bruce, that's uh, maybe. Um, couple months maybe June or something yeah and Scott and I because we were at the uh, Canadian Brewery Awards in Ottawa in May and we saw your keynote and while we we're in town we interviewed um, uh, Matt Tweedy from uh, oh, Tooth and, Nail, yeah, yeah. and uh, Josh and Scott from uh, Dominion City awesome and they spoke about bows with like reverence mm-hmm. so oh, cool and it, was, it was very nice to see because you know being when we got into craft beer I feel like bows was one of the first oh yeah we were crazy like, it was our <laughs> getting first into it, right? yeah. yeah like pushing into the craft very nice. Represent, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why we were excited to actually chat with you, like in in the brewery itself, because cool. it's a, you know it's a big deal for us that we you know it, it was a gateway for us when we were just like we started this thing called 365 days of beer where we just had to document beer. We're like, there's no way there's 300 times. <laughs> I got told you'll never do it. Never. There's Anybody. not even, there's not even 365 like, yeah. beers. But we agreed with that. Yeah, we were like, like no, uh, yeah, it's gonna be tough, and get, man. And it forced you to try everything. Yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden, what is this lead tread thing? And like we've yeah. seen it in LCBO, and, and it sort of took us there. So it was very cool to to see these guys that were saying that you guys actually paved the way. You took this small town that you essentially, like you were saying, rebranded this small town as this cool little hub with like commerce and like just cool shit yeah, yeah and then you had to go to ottawa which is the nearest i guess probably equal to ottawa and montreal except for bureaucracy montreal. right stay in the province. stupid stay borders in, yeah ridiculous that's a fake ass line <laughs> um, and you had to convince these bars this is kind of what i want to ask you about because these guys were telling us about what you had to do and i haven't heard it from your mouth but like josh and uh, and matt were saying that you had to actually go into ottawa and be like look take this beer like can yeah. i please like yeah, can yeah. you speak to that about how hard it was to get to break through those barriers and get your beer into? Yeah, well, there was a myth in Ottawa at the time that you couldn't sell craft beer. Right. Um, that's why it was so hard to get a loan. Is no one, no one would believe that it, you know a brewery would would actually succeed. There was a brewery called Heart that had failed. Um, I think you spoke about that. And did you say that? In the yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, Heritage uh, was trying to make a go of it, but they weren't taken off yeah. uh, the clock tower was was there was but uh, yeah. but really wasn't wasn't growing or thriving at the time and other breweries would you know kind of laugh at us and uh, I remember John Graham from Church Key saying oh so you're doing missionary work out there are you? <laughs> and uh, the interesting part though was in some ways we had it so easy because there wasn't another local brewery trying to get taps so like I remember the the first uh, one of the first sales calls we did was to the Black Tomato. Oh, I love that place. You know? Yeah, awesome spot. Before, yeah. yeah. And uh, Pete, the owner, was there. And it was actually my dad and Phil walked in. Phil's my brother. Okay. And uh, they, they walk in. They're like, hey, we're going to be opening up a brewery in the Ottawa area. Kind of expecting, like, okay, this is going to be, cool. you know, yeah. here's my launch. I yeah. my, and, and before they get another sure. word out, yeah. Pete's like, great, when can I get it? And they're like, well, we haven't brewed it yet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in a month. Um, you know, he didn't ask price. He didn't want to see, you know, marketing. He didn't care about anything other than getting a local beer. Amazing. And uh, Hart was really cool because uh, they'd made these stickers that said, support your local brewery. And all we basically did is we'd go from pub to pub. And if we saw one of those Hart stickers, we're like... like Oh, they want us. They want we we us. got a tap here <laughs> yeah. because Hart's no longer business, and they obviously like believe in that. So, yeah, nice. so we got a lot of really early adopters, and 
you know, if you're opening a brewery now, on one sense, you've got a much more educated consumer. There's a movement behind it. Yes. But wow, there's a lot of competition for taps. And if, if, if you're brand new today, you've got a, just a completely different set of challenges than we had. In our day, the challenge was, oh, I had a craft beer once. I didn't <laughs> like it. And, and it was like, that was the end of the conversation with, right. with like a bar owner. And you're like, yeah, but you're custom. No, I had one and it was awful. Right. Like, yeah. It's not about you, dude. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, there's other people paying for your product. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, but, but because there was the ones willing to try right out of the gates, what's really neat, especially in Ottawa, is it's a fairly, like, small, tight-knit restaurant scene. Right. And so they all talk to each other, and they'll be like, oh, you put that bows on. What, what's, what's going on with that? And they're like, yeah, people are buying the crap out of it. And they're like, oh, okay. And then it just made it easier to get the next place and then the right. next place. And it's kind of cool because, again, you know, it, you're looking back over 11 years, it seems like a lot of growth, but it's it's never felt like, you know, this, this thing changed and then all of a sudden we had all the all the accounts. It's been a slow, slow yeah. climb. We, we put a sales rep out there and they'd come back on average with one new restaurant every week. Right. Next week there's another one. Next week there's another one, and 11 years in, that math still holds true. Uh, we have more sales reps now, so it's yeah. like now we're like we're Few getting more, like okay. hundreds of new restaurants in a three-month period, right. and so now you see it, you know, you, and but it took time to sort of like keep yeah, it to, to but yeah, it. like in year one when we're at 30 accounts, 30 weeks in, yeah, like, and then right. next week you're at 31 accounts, you don't notice it as being this like crazy change it's just you know little bit by little bit and it's it, it you know it's always felt like we're just you know moving a boulder uphill kind of slowly right um, and uh, it, I, it, it's given us a, a sort of really nice perspective on things uh, because it's not like it's not like we've ever felt like this stuff comes easy right you know and you, you have to appreciate you know how awesome these customers are to, to support you and to put your beer on tap and to put their faith in you. And then the customers to come in and want to try it. And exactly. Give it, give it yeah. Does it trip you out when you like, and I just always think it's kind of cool when you see something of this sort of scope and size, and I know like you said, it's 11 years of bit by bit, so you kind of just accustom yourself yeah, to it. Yeah, but yeah. Sometimes you ever stand around like, man, we built this shit. Like, you get these <clears> weird <throat> moments and they usually come like when you're not expecting them. Yeah. But uh, you know, you'll be at, you'll be at a bar having a beer and you overhear people people down yeah. telling your story right. like whoa this whoa. is weird that, like, yeah. like they're, they're talking about what we're doing this is That's so amazing, cool yeah. and I remember in the, like in the early days just seeing someone order our beer That's like exciting, you just sit right? there in the corner and you're like, like oh my like god it? this oh guy's god. drinking our beer another. does that happen as much because people know what you look like now uh, well it's, it's you know, I, I don't think I'm like at Tom Green celebrity. I've, I've hung out with him making the beer, and he can't walk two feet without That's getting stopped. Oh my stopped. god! Yeah. But you know, at our Oktoberfest, people are you know probably yeah, more Green. likely to. Yeah, you are the Tom Green. Of the so first. it's that's really fun, and you know, in the you know the the thing for us is uh, because we're a packaging brewery, we're not a brew pub. We don't always get you know that sort of direct one-to-one right. feedback hmm. you do at a festival you do when you actually you're at the pub but quite often you're working with you know the pub owner or you know the 
the LCBO buyer or whatever. Right. Um, so when you get that moment where you actually get to like face to face talk with someone, and Oktoberfest is the best time to do it because yeah. everybody's there to have this just awesome time, and they're they're just gushing. They're like, oh, yeah. this is so amazing, and and it's really for me, it's really humbling because you you know you hear other people tell you that what you're doing is very important to them. Right. And, you know, whether it's because their family got impacted by, you know, one of the charities that we're raising money for, or we were the first craft beer they ever had, or, um, you know, the number of people that have gotten engaged at our Oktoberfest. Yeah, nice. Um, bless you off camera. Bless you, love. <laughs> bless you, love. <laughs> um, the number of people that have had, you know, a part of their lives deeply connected with our brewery uh, is, is just such a such a humbling thing and we've got some like just amazing stories of people that you know their first date they both tried our beer for the first time they got engaged at the brewery they named one of their kids Bo you know it's like <laughs> yeah wow that's crazy. Um, all sorts of stories like this um, you know one one guy uh, after every single chemo session he was going battling cancer. After every chemo session, his buddies would take him out to the bar and they'd have a pint of lug tread. And he, you yeah, know, nice. came to the brewery and we, you know, had a, a bottle with like we made a special label with his name on it. And this nice. guy's like so touched. Yeah. And and what he's what he doesn't realize is like it's affecting us Both as ways, much. Yeah. You know, and then those stories that we get are really the things that motivate us to to you know, make wonderful beer, but then also to, to really connect with, with the communities that, uh, that support us. That's amazing, man. Speaking of wonderful beer, mm. shall um, we? I feel like Your glasses are empty. I, know, I gotta catch for, up, guys. Uh, I know, yeah, I know. Sorry, Steve, it's, uh, we just kept the ball you're rolling. You're making me look bad here. So. Hey, we have a problem. <laughs> so, no, we don't. We got lots <laughs> yeah. of beer. We have <laughs> five <laughs> problems right here. Five big problems. Yeah. Uh, since you are the boss, you are in charge of what happens next. You you hold the key. Uh, hold the key to our here. destiny. Oh wow! Uh, so much to choose from. Mm -hmm. uh, what you guys were drinking? Infinity, Infinity Beer. Beer. Yeah, honestly, phenomenal. Really so good. let's not open that. Let's. Uh, do you guys want to try the cherry milk stout? Yes. Not Tom scared. Green. Yeah. Never been scared. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yes. Which is what was the inspiration with uh, adding some. And how did you get in touch with? Yeah, how did Tom so the, 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 the cool Tom story. Great story behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an awesome story actually. Uh, so I grew up as a as a huge Tom Green fan, uh, but never knew him. Uh, like in his rap days or in his like. I actually yeah I started yeah. off because uh, growing up in the area, so we'd go see organized rhyme. Yeah, play. yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember one show with like them wearing. You know, laundry baskets on their head, and throwing Amazing. bread into the crowd. Classic he was a hot He was a rapper. Yeah, he had bars yeah. too. For real? I'm not even joking. Yeah, he's, he's like, actually really he's talented. Very talented, talented rapper. Uh, Ottawa. Ottawa. He's an Ottawa boy. Yeah. Oh shit. And uh, that explains a lot. Yeah, exactly. One, one second here. Yeah. yeah. Hey, take your time. Um, so he went and got himself all famous, uh, and then. And he had the TV show and the yeah, yeah. T yeah, TV show, movies, yeah, everything. Uh, everything. And uh, he lives in LA now, but his parents still live in the area. Right. Uh, cheers, guys. Cheers. cheers. Ooh, I love that lactose nose. Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. subtle in the end. Yeah. Like this, is, this is a great. Was this five still? Five six. Five six. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, but he'd come back to Ottawa 
on a regular basis to visit his parents mm -hmm. and his, his buddies and when he'd go out with his friends they'd go out for beers and Close, they quite often naturally. found themselves having right. a lug tread or yeah. something else that we were brewing uh, he at the, he's maybe sort of calm down his touring schedule a little bit now but at the time he was doing you know hundreds of stand-up shows a year right. and kind of you know part of his thing was after his show he'd like to have a beer and talk to the crowd and he had this idea like how cool would it be if it was like beer. My beer. Yeah. and so uh, he asked one of his buddies to kind of scope us out mm -hmm. and I guess his buddy came back with a you know a good report and so one day I'm in I'm in the office and I get a phone call and it's like hey it's Tom I'm like, whoa, this is cool. And so he's like, he tells me that basically. Yeah. And he says, you know, would you like to, to make a beer with me? And I, you know, I said, well, I'm a huge fan, so I'd love to do this. But I'm also, you know, a firm believer that if we're going to do this, we got to do it legitimately. We can't just slap your face on, on lug tread. Absolutely. Um, we have to make a real Tom Green beer and it has to somehow speak to, to you. It has to, it has to work. And it literally took us a year to figure this oh, out. Wow. We've since done lots of collabs with non-brewers, like mm -hmm. everyone from Margaret Atwood to the hardcore band DOA. Yeah. Um, but this was the first time we'd worked with someone who wasn't a brewer. So that process took forever to figure out because we're like, well, you know, what kind of malts do you want to use? And he's like, <laughs> he's like what's a malt? Really? <laughs> uh, I, I like beer. Yeah. <laughs> Help me out here. Beer good. And, and it wasn't until sort of the, the watershed moment was when we started talking about his, his body of work. So we were like, oh, well, what if the beer, you know, somehow related to some of the stuff you did? And, you know, so he had some pretty bizarre Are you, are you referring to the stunt with the milk bag and the lactose? Is that, am I going in the right direction You absolutely. Okay. So the milk, drinking milk right out of a cow's udder. Yeah. Um, he did a lot of work with milk back in the day. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're like, oh, how cool would this be if we made a milk lactose. stout? Because, you know, again, it was a style that in Ontario you couldn't find. Right. Um, you know, there was, uh, Charlevoix may, makes a really good one in Quebec, but you know, very difficult to get in Ontario. And we're like, so it's a kind of rare, legit craft style. And so we actually, we, we sat down, we brought uh, Tom to the Manx in Ottawa, gave him some of the Charlevoix milk stout and said, this is like an example of the style and this is how we think we could make it a little bit different. He's like, this is great. So we started working on it. Uh, we made just a sort of a pilot batch to start with. And there was a festival in Toronto that was kind of, uh, they decided to feature collaborations with mm -hmm. non-brewers. So we're like, oh, that works out well. We, yeah, we have this. Yeah. So we submitted that and uh, they gave an award for sort of the one that was voted most wonderful or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the, the award was actually a listing in the LCBO stores. And, uh, you know, there's like 450 LCBO stores. So a listing in the Amazing. LCBO is like, that's yeah, a lot that's a of look. beer. Yeah. And so when we won, it's like, hey, Tom, I guess we're moving this yeah, into, we into production here. Yeah, and he's been just so much fun to work with. He, uh, like, he legitimately loves the beer. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to ship it to him all the time. Nice. And, uh, you know, he's brought it, he's brought our beer on the Jimmy Fallon show. He's like, so brought cool. it to like all sorts of cool people around around the world and he's just always talking about it, he's always promoting it. Uh, what we were finding is uh, 
people don't tend to drink as much milk stouts in the summer as they do in the winter. Right. So we're finding that it was very cyclical, seasonal beer. So fall would come, sales would spike, we'd get some momentum. Winter would come, yeah, things are going great. Summer would come and everything would fall off the map. Right. And then come fall, it's like, it felt like you had to start from scratch every every year and we couldn't right. really kind of get that momentum building despite the fact that we had a beer we loved, we had, you know, Tom doing it so much to promote it. So this year we said, well, why don't we learn <laughs> from this? And so in the summer we came out with the Tom Green Summer Stout, um, oh, yes. which was, uh, you know. Is that still around? Uh, well, it's it's. I think it's sold out at this point. Do you have any hip? We might be able to to hot, find a, a, a hidden bottle. I traded one to someone in Nigeria, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I didn't get it for myself. But uh, but we spent the whole summer basically stocked out. We couldn't make enough of it. Mm. You um, mentioned that, which is great. Yeah, it's wonderful. And then now for the fall, we've got the Tom Green Cherry Milk Stout. And again, it's you know just finding just fun ways to to keep the the brand exciting mm -hmm. um, and make it. You know, seasonal. If, right. if you notice, um, almost all of our beers are only available seasonally, and that's because that's how we like to drink. Right. You Absolutely. know, um, an imperial stout is a wonderful, wonderful beer, but you know, in an August heat wave, or sorry, in a September, September heat yes. wave, late right. September heat today. wave. Okay. Um, you know, mm. it's it's maybe not the beer you're gonna go for. So so we always, you know, we brew our darker, heavier beers in the fall and winter. We brew, you know, kind of fruitier, crisper, refreshing beers for the spring, summer. And it's it makes it fun for us, and it, I think it's it's fun for our fans, too. Yeah. But it, it's also, you know, keeps us on our toes. Of course. <laughs> Would you be doing a flip on this for uh, spring, do you think? Like, uh, with that, I know you probably can't give it away, but is this something that you might be every single season? Keep going with, uh, make it a four-season beer type thing? So the plan for this, uh, we're going to flip to the, the regular the milk original regular one, right? yeah Tom Green milk stout for winter. for, for winter. Fall, winter yeah and we'll probably run that until late spring and then switch to the summer Golden. stout again nice. yeah um, no maple uh, milk <laughs> stout is what I was thinking well that's that's the fun thing is that you it, know it could we, we can now play with it yeah. you know, as soon as you stop thinking that a beer can't change you open up all sorts of possibilities mm. and that's our, our wild oats series in general and our, our farm table series are, are, are wonderful for that because we don't ever feel like we're tied to to a brand for forever and it means like if even if we did brew the same beer last year when we when it comes to sort of putting it out for this year nothing sacred so if right. we're like you know what I didn't really love the hot profile last year well let's switch let's, it up let's switch it up or you know some of the some of the changes are very subtle and some of them are very you know very big ones like you know taking the you know the cherry milk set and making it a maple milk milk that would be you know an example of that right, um, right. but but we've done all of that our wag the wolf became a ginger wolf for a while you know yes, and, it did. Um, it's it's interesting when you stop thinking that your beers can't change. And I think too many breweries fall into that trap where it's it, like, yeah. I've got these core customers that are buying it this way, so I I need to keep it sacred. And we kind of kind of understand the, the feeling for that, and especially when you've got a brand that's selling well, mm -hmm. and you, you know, like, well, that's, that's a real smart thing to do. Let's, yeah, let's, let's change it, it up. But, yeah. 
But I, I find that, you know, we are our target market. You know, we don't do focus groups. We don't do, you know, market research. Yeah. We like beer. And if we're getting tired of a brand, that's a good indicator that our fans might start to get tired of it too. So that's kind of where we're like, okay, you know, if we think it's time to switch it up, it's probably time to switch it up. Right. So I, I hear that a bunch from uh, like whenever we talk to so, like, breweries that don't have quite this level of scale. But someone said to us once in uh, Michigan recently, they were like, this is the worst this beer will ever taste. That was <laughs> yeah. really cool. Always improving. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, that was a dope quote. And um, so something like Lug Trent, though, would that be something like, because when you look at it, it's what you're saying, what I take from it is you're going to improve the recipe as opposed to change it. Is that what you're saying or not quite? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a little bit of both, actually. Sometimes it's change for the sake of change. Okay. Sometimes it's, you know, little improvements over time. And, right. and kind of with everything, we're always trying to make little improvements over time. That, that right. never goes that away. Never okay. But... Uh, what we found is, you know, Lugtrad, we've never gotten tired of, and our fans have never gotten tired of. This beer is still growing like mad in Ontario. Right. Eleven years in, and our sales are still spiking for this beer. It's wow. crazy. We've basically been chasing demand for Lugtrad since we opened, and and it's just it's that it's that perfect beer, and we hit an absolute home run. We're good with that. Yeah. You know, um, don't, don't don't do nothing like that. Leave them alone. Yeah, and and there are there are brands where you know we're just we're happy with it, and they, we won't make these dramatic changes. What I'm kind of getting at though is that uh, if one day we said, hey, it'd be really interesting to to try something different with Lugdred, and actually, now that I think about it, uh, we actually did put a wheat fermented version of Lugdred out. Ooh, okay. um, when was that? Probably 2008, 2009. Before our time, okay. Yeah. Uh, before, I think it was 2009. 2009, and it, we actually did it by mistake. <laughs> uh, we, we were uh, brewing a bunch of wheat beers at the time, and somehow we accidentally put the wheat beer yeast into the, into the lug jet tank. But it was a really interesting mistake, and we're like, hey, people Sounds might like this. Yeah. So we actually, we did this thing where like we, we Put it out and we like, okay, you get lug chat or you can get wheat fermented lug chat. Right. And if you did that, like fill out a form. And we were amazed at how many people said, you know, they would prefer the wheat fermented lug chat. We didn't stick with it because it's it was too similar and like right. honestly wanted to do something else. <laughs> sure. And you know, and I, I think Matt probably was embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, but it was it was, you know, even with lug tread, we've you know messed around with it. Uh, we've uh, we've also got our haters gonna hate, which is an imperial Kolsch. Yes, it's kind of, it is. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was an accident too. Yeah, that was our very first batch of beer. Uh, the installers had uh, put the solenoids for the for the glycol chiller in incorrectly, and so one of the zones kept calling for cooling when it was supposed to say, "Hey, we're we're at the okay. right temperature." So, we ended up freezing a third of the batch of beer, right. super concentrating what was left, and it made this wonderful strong rich beer um, and it that beer went on to win the best beer at the festival for the 2006 golden taps and hilarious. the cool thing for us is we now get to say we've been award-winning since our first batch of beer wow, right. you know and if someone wants to hear the whole story yeah we really messed it up <laughs> <laughs> but it won an award you know and uh, and, and you know having the uh, humility to, to one be transparent about things like that 
but then also to you know to be willing to take a risk and say you know what this is not at all what I expected it would be uh, but wow this tastes good it's still amazing and yeah. with food in particular food and drink but so many things it's like that eureka moment is usually I made a mistake and wow this is a wonderful result that's awesome you know like blue cheese was invented because a, a guy got lost in a in a cave and was so hungry he had to eat this moldy moldy crappy cheese that he'd left behind and it was delicious and it was blue cheese <laughs> and, and if that guy had been too embarrassed to tell his friends yeah I ate this like crappy moldy cheese guys it was guys. you wasn't it Steve you were the guy in the cave weren't you <laughs> yeah exactly I mentioned the time travel right? yeah no I know that's I'm enlightening that. Hold off. I know you've already been there because you've been to the future, but hold off for a second. Need to relax, Steve. Uh, one thing I've always appreciated about you guys is you stay true to organic. All your malts and barley yes. are organic. What prompted that? Like, there's not a lot of breweries. It's more expensive to do that. Yeah, for sure. Why would you do that then? Well, the, the, the part that I find funny is it's very hard to find out that these are actually certified organic beers. Mm -hmm. We don't. We don't go out of our way to, to trump that, or oh, I shouldn't use that word anymore, no, I guess. No. <laughs> cut it, cut it, cut it. Not, not allowed to use He's taken that yeah, word I know. He ruined it. Damn you. Ah, America. Now, now it's political. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we, we don't trump it, uh, the, the fact that we're organic. Nice, nice flip. That was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well played. Good thing I didn't draw any attention <laughs> to it either. <laughs> uh, and so the, the why for, for me, one is this is you know that when I talk about that day I first talked to dad about opening a brewery yeah. that was one of the things that we talked about was let's make all the beer organic and kind of there's the there's a lot of good reasons to to choose organic um, and everybody hears them all the time you know it's better for the environment it's healthier all that kind of stuff uh, to me it's it's really a belief that uh, we should be using the best that there is and I, I honestly believe that organics makes better, better food. It's a, mm, um, I agree. I agree. And uh, you know, when you look at the growing time of organic grain, uh, when you look at sort of the, the sort of the the way that it grows when you grow organically, it's soaking up more nutrients from the soil, mm -hmm. and of course, it's going to taste better. Now the the funny thing is is you know not everybody believes that and it doesn't mean that everything that has been certified organic is necessarily going to be better because you know if you take something that was grown really well and then it gets old or something then yeah it's it's, it's not yeah. going to be yeah. great um, but uh, what we did when we started was we actually uh, so most of our most of the malts we use in the brewery in general are from Vireman we uh, our brewer Matt just loves everything that they do. Is that a German malter? Yeah, yeah. that's right. And uh, so we we did, before we launched, we did two pilot batches, uh, one with uh, Weiermann's normal Pilsner malt and one with their uh, organic Pilsner malt. Mm -hmm. We brewed the exact same recipe, exact mm -hmm. same lagering time, exact same everything. And uh, the pilot batches gave us 76 bottles. And so we did 76 taste trials and logged the results. And uh, I don't know, was it 76? 70 something. I'll say 76 for the sake of the. Not incorrect. Sake of this, yeah. Um, 
and 75 out of the 76 people that tried it chose the organic wow. as being the better one. Wow. The 76th person couldn't make up their mind. <laughs> so not a single person chose the wow. conventionally made one. For the organic. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. The interesting thing is that 76th person was actually Stephen Beaumont. Uh, who's uh, one of Canada's best uh, beer, like beer critics? Oh, yeah. yeah, I totally yeah. know that name. Okay. So, and uh, I'm Steve. Yeah, okay. and so he's the only one that 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 you know uh, didn't choose the organic as being the better one, but he didn't choose the conventional as being better either. He couldn't make up his mind. So that was like just not even a question then at that point. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's totally anecdotal because it's not like we did 25 batches and you know yeah. whatever, but yeah. it was enough for us to to feel really confident that we could make a better beer this way. So you've stayed true from day one and all your beers are all natural, all organic. I remember I had Opa's Gosa before and the, you couldn't put the salt technically in the beer because <laughs> the salt wasn't organic, so you had to have the little That's packet right. of salt on the side. Yeah. It's like a cool is that, is that, am I right? Very close, that? very yeah. close. So what, what happened was, and you'll, you'll notice on the label of that, there is like a big sticker on it that says, the salt is not organic. Yes. <laughs> um, so what happened was the, the beer had salt in it. Okay. Um, our certifier, and in Canada, you just you can't claim that salt is either organic or not organic. Right. Uh, it's not. It's like the same thing with uh, with water. It's neither sure. organic right. nor nor not organic. It's just water. Mm -hmm. um, so somehow, when we made the label for it. Uh, we accidentally added the word organic in front of salt. Organic salt. And yeah. part of the part of the certification process is uh, our certifier has to review every single label. So they were reviewing the label and you, you, they're like, you put organic for the salt, but yeah. we'd already ordered the labels. Uh, damn. So we had to put the sticker on all of them. The packet was really sort of a nod to drinking in taverns. Right. Um, if you've ever been to, you know, an old tavern. They always have the like salt on the house. table. Yeah, and my, my dad so used that, to tell so me. That, so that the old guys can like put salt in their well, the beer. The beer was flat, right? So you put the salt in and got and a little foam going and then... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it makes it saltier. Uh, but because it was a gosa, we thought, well, this is hilarious. Yeah, Adding this. salt to your gosa is like this old-timey ritual that actually would make that beer even, even tastier. I loved right. it. And you can salt Super it to your cool. liking, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it was it was a really really fun project and That's like cool. those are again like some of the goofy things that we yeah. try um, but uh, but like that's also that's why you know we've got that oversized 600 mil bottle was you know from spending a lot of times in like the small taverns in, in rural Ontario and rural Quebec because you know when we were 15 we'd go over to, to, to Grenville and yeah. you'd, you'd end up at this old pub and you know they'd put down this giant bottle with this tiny glass and a thing of salt, you know? And and that's just what you did. That's, that's real craft beer. Never seen <laughs> exactly. That was not craft beer at all. Just real beer. Just um, real beer. But, uh, but man, was it uh, like just, one of the things I love about beer and and drinking in general is all the ritual that gets, gets put to it. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at the ritual of pouring a pint of Guinness. I like that more than I like Guinness. Guinness itself. Yeah. You yeah. know, but like just, the way it's done and the way it's presented and, and just, you know, it it really sort of, it, it elevates the whole experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, everything from, you know, cheersing, you know, just all the ritual in drinking beer that we don't even consciously register anymore. Mm -hmm. It just, to me, it adds the whole camaraderie. It adds the, you know, just the 
Yes. I don't want to say flavor because yeah. the beer's got the flavor, yeah. but it's uh, it's like a nice experience. Room. Yeah. It's, what's the word? Yeah. Compliments the actual beer itself. Yeah. Like yeah. The actual, yeah, the cheesing and the, even the small things like you. I noticed you did it too. You look in the eye when you yes. cheese. Yeah. yeah. It's apparently like we yeah. do all the time. It's like a bad luck thing. Yeah. Like yeah. We don't. Yeah. Like yeah. even this. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Well, and, and <clears throat> I don't know how much of this is true and how much of it's lore, but like. The original version of cheersing, I was told, you're supposed to cheers so, so that my beer other. goes into yours and yours so goes I'm into mine. So I'm not poisoning you. Yeah, so so you, you yeah. can't poison the other guy, yeah. and that's why you're looking Look at in each the other. Like, in the did eyes you poison me? Like, Are we gonna die yeah. right now if, over if this he's, pint? If he's flinching, <laughs> I'm not drinking this, you know. And <laughs> that's actually kind of concerning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's, that's why I never look in your eyes. <laughs> never. Yeah. But but like all these rituals and. Uh, I, I got to spend some time in China uh, this last year, and they've got a whole different ritual around cheersing, where it's uh, you know not only do you have to cheers with every sip, which is like That's a lot. it takes a That's long hectic. time to get through a drink, yeah. um, but but they also so the host uh, will start the cheersing process and will always dictate how much you're supposed to drink based on how much they drink. Well, and they'll tell you. They'll actually oh. say, like, there's different words. And one word means take a sip. One word says take a good sip. <laughs> and if they, if you ever hear gone by, yeah. it's like bottoms up. Nice. And you have to, like, finish like your glass. Jeez. And, uh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's, it's a whole different set of codified ritual, which, again, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Chinese and this is my first time there, it's like, wow, this is all brand new to me but for everybody there it's like Whatever. totally Common normal place, yeah. and then and then you start going when you come back to Canada you're like oh yeah. like what are, what are all the things we're doing that Different, we don't even yeah, think yes. about you yeah. know and it's it's just it's wonderful all the different cultural uh, traditions that surround beer that's sick yeah it's really cool I like that a lot so then so just to confirm so you guys make exclusively 650 mil bottles because of the old style tavern thing that's the only reason that's what inspired it they're actually uh this one's a 754 halcyon because oh yeah because tell that's uh you know yeah, like a, a, a proper beefier. champagne bottle nice. um these are all 600 mil bottles which don't normally exist um one south oh, 600 yeah I'm one sorry. south american country actually has a standard bottle that's 600 mils i forget which one but when we started we we basically invented the 600 mil bottle um for a couple reasons. One is, as you mentioned, certified organic ingredients cost a lot. Right. And so we had to find some really uh, novel ways to save money so that, because one of the things I don't like is, you know, something that's organic is quite often very expensive. Of course. And, True. you know, I don't mind charging a premium for our beer, but I, I'm always looking out for the customer's value. Right. And so we were looking for ways to, to really create that extra value. So in Ontario, um, there's some weird, well, there's weird laws about beer everywhere, but in Very Ontario, cool. some of the weird laws are, if you put your beer in a bottle that is anything up to 600 milliliters, mm -hmm. and it's not in the industry standard bottle, you get charged four and a half cents for a sorting fee, whether or not you ever get that bottle back. So wow, just okay. every bottle that you sell, you get charged this four and a half cent. That's thing. over 600 milliliters? Anything from one millimeter up to 600. Oh, up to 600. So okay. at 600, you don't have to pay that sorting fee because uh, of no reason whatsoever. Because of a ridiculous law. Um, on the, oh, uh, but on the other side in Ontario, 
if your bottle has more than 630 milliliters, you have to charge 20 cents instead of 10 cents for, for the return, deposit, right. and you're not allowed to tell the customer that. <laughs> because okay. that would make sense <laughs> so there's this sweet spot between 600 Six and 630, and 630 right. and there are 650 mil, mil bottles that would have been really easy to source but then we'd be adding 10 cents per bottle to the customer and they wouldn't know that it was deposit right. and anything under 600 there'd be this four and a half cents so right. we put it in a four pack so you multiply this out they're saving you know basically 16 cents because of the one loophole mm -hmm. and they're saving another 40 cents on the other loophole well guess what that pays for a whole lot of certified organic ingredients down. exactly and so it's cool you know it was just it was like a lot of uh, i shouldn't say a lot of brews because a lot of just businesses in general when they come across like a, a, a thing that says this this is going to be more expensive they're like oh i guess we can't do that right. and we just took a different approach it's like okay this is going to be way more expensive how can we balance this off mm. you know and and we also you know sort of went for you know marketing techniques that didn't cost money mm. you know it's like putting a glass of beer in someone's hand and talking to them doesn't cost a lot of money right uh, but advertising does so we just said you know what we're just not going to advertise um, okay. we'll do these other things instead and that's it's just been sort of you know uh, a sense of frugality that comes out of not having any money <laughs> and and that's kind of a lot of the stuff that we've been doing is you know it tends to be high on effort mm -hmm. but low cost to right. do and uh and that tends to be stuff like talking to people right you know and and we like talking about beer so it works out really well <laughs> whilst drinking beer yeah. whilst drinking beer uh -oh, oh magic words so steve are since you were lovingly holding this bottle i think we're going to do oh this. If, all right if, if we're okay with that yeah are we full okay time with that? are we Absolutely. in agreement okay. okay talk about that one like why uh, i know you guys had the ipa which i love that the eh yeah. very very canadian name ipa um yeah <laughs> um why what was the inspiration for bringing uh, a new ipa into yeah. the uh, lineup so I guess there's a lot baked into it. Um, to start with, Lug Tread's been such a home run for us that, and, and for the longest time was our only year-round brand, yeah. it put a lot of pressure on us to say, if we're gonna make another year-round brand, it's gotta be amazing. So because we've been, we've got the, the IPA, we had Screaming Beaver, our double IPA. Yeah. That beer's going yeah. off camera. Yeah, yeah, it's going <laughs> Sure is. It's looking good. thirsty. Cheers, well guys. Done. Cheers. 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 I see. I see. I see. looking at me. I poisoned it all. Mm. Ah. It's worth it. It's oh, definitely worth <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. The first time I had this one was actually at the Muskoka 2-4 Beer Fest mm. in Huntsville. Nice. And it was lovely. Yeah, beer love festival, in my beer. opinion. Such a beautiful, nice, piney, crushable, herby, yeah. West Coast IPA in yeah. this world of North IPAs. A little, bit, IPAs, of, a little bit of haze in, in there for you, see? I know you like some haze in your beer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, quite, I really enjoy this beer, and I didn't yeah. realize how much I enjoyed the West Coast sort of IPAs because we've been so... We discovered North East IPAs yeah. maybe about a year ago. Yeah. I've kind of been in a, in a ridiculous, yeah. pathetic obsession yeah. to, <laughs> to a point, but I, I really enjoy this beer. Well, this is what, what was was killing us for, for being able to make a decision was, okay, if we're going to put out another full-time brand, it's got to be awesome. Yeah. But what do we do? Do we make a Northeast? Do we make, you know, a West Coast? Do we, 
you know, go all New Zealand. Uh, yeah. What are, and and so we just got in this thing where like we couldn't make up our minds. Right. You know, or or should we just take one of the ones we'd already put out, like our. Uh, uh, not Mission Impossible. Oh, that was good. Oh, uh, Mission. Was wasn't Mission Impossible though. It was uh, it was a George Bush reference. Um, <laughs> uh, you you got to get the book of the posters. Oh you crap! To see which one it is? Uh, yeah, well that's the thing is we yeah. put out fifty brands a year. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, uh, crap! What's what does the bottle look like? Uh, it looked like you know a fighter jet. That was. Uh, are you sure it was Mission Impossible? That was Mission that, Impossible. That had the helmet. The, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I have that poster up in my yeah, apartment. Yeah. Are you sure? That, but that wasn't it. No, because what did he say when he landed on the aircraft carrier? Oh, he said something stupid, yeah. Uh, he he was like, he put stupid. the banner in, was like, mission complete or mission... Yeah, yeah. Accomplished. Mission accomplished. That's it. Thank you. Mission accomplished. That was a great video. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, is it that one? These tangents get wonderful when yeah, you I know, right? can't remember what, <laughs> like, what you're doing yeah. anymore. <laughs> it's uh, Sunday, whatever. <laughs> it's Sunday Enjoy after Oktoberfest. Exactly. You're lucky I'm speaking <laughs> at all. Genuinely. <laughs> you're doing a great job of speaking. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, so it really sort of, we got in this this just mode of we couldn't make a decision. And like literally for like two years, we're sitting there going, we need a full-time IPA. We need a full-time <laughs> what IPA. What do we call it? <laughs> well, that's what happened, right? Is like for two years we're talking about a full-time IPA, and you know, typically when we're going through concepts, you know, it's just it's we we refer to things by style. Right. And so this was like for the longest time, full-time IPA, full-time IPA. And it's like, okay, what do we name it? Like we already named it. Uh, uh, you know, full-time IPA. What? Why did you choose the uh, West Coasty uh, dank kind of piney style? I think when it came down to it. Uh, one, it's wonderful. It certainly is. Two, one of the restrictions of being uh, an organic brewery is we don't have access to a lot of sort of new hops. But they experimental. Ah, true. Um, and what we wanted was something that would be timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the West Coast IPA, I, I firmly believe is, you know, this is a style Classic. that, yes. never you know, away. five years from now, this isn't going to be... You know, a, a beer that. Let's look. Let's look. Put this in the vault. Let's Five years from now, when we do our time traveling, two thousand twenty-two. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll be able to to see if I'm right on this. But you know, a lot of a lot of things that are really trendy right now in IPAs might not be trendy in two years. Almost guaranteed it won't be though. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. So by going for something timeless. <laughs> The nice thing is that you know we look we look at full time as being our foray into something we probably should have been doing for the longest time. Right. To think that we like we must be the only craft brewery uh, that didn't have a full time IPA right from the get go. What about the gigantic, the Love Me Dove? Like that was fire. I love that it. was a, that was a wonderful Belgian that was IPA, a collab, yeah. and that was oh. brewed with the with the guys from Gigantic. Yeah, so we, we didn't see it like, see it as like, it's like the B-side a full time. Yeah, for yeah, us, you know, yeah. so it's uh, it's it's just an interesting kind of thing where we're like, yeah. we really need this, yeah, you know, because we're going out and drinking everyone else's IPAs. <laughs> like, why are we? <laughs> you know, so and the, it's the IPA, the EH one. Yeah, that was the whole. That was like a one-off. Is that it was right? a seasonal beer, so we would bring it back yeah. every year. Did it? Ta- I honestly don't remember. Did it taste like this? No, it was much more British style. Oh, the actually. British style. Right. Yeah, okay, so this is way, this is so it was British with kind of you know. 
obviously way more hops than the Brits would have put they, in. They, but they're a little soft on the hops. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Love you guys, but come on. And we put in like pack gem and, and you know, some hops that weren't traditional British ones, but right, the malt right. backbone was very much, and the yeast was, was very much sort of right. British style. Okay. It was a wonderful beer, uh, but we, we didn't feel like that was our the year round. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Okay. So on the, we always end up talking about the hazy stuff. I'm just really <laughs> curious as to um, what maybe, like, are you interested in that as an individual, as a beer drinker, as a brewery owner? Is that something that Bose would um, pursue, being that it feels like, because we're obsessed with this and with dumbass stuff, we always end up just, yeah. Canada was a little slow yeah. to sort of pick up on it, and now it feels like all of a sudden, everyone's, not so much got, good, one, yeah. everyone's yeah. got one, yeah. and seven, eight times out of 10, they're really good. Like, I'm yeah. shocked at yeah. how well people have like picked, picked up it on up, it. Yeah. I've noticed, say, I went to something in Quebec recently, and, and I, uh, in Montreal, and I tried a whole bunch of, they had like six from Montreal breweries, and it felt like, it was kind of like this half-hearted, like, oh, yeah. this style. Or even in Michigan. Were, we were in Michigan, Michigan and everyone exactly was slapping Northeast IP on it. It wasn't. You didn't it, think this is nothing like it. It looks like it. Probably was even it. less hazy than this. Yeah. yeah. And maybe they dry hunk with mosaics. So right. It fruity and that right. was kind of it. So we were yeah. like, uh, like, are you guys reluctantly doing this? Or what's the, uh, but yeah. how, how do you feel about that? And yeah. would Bose ever present a product like So we're, we're kind of funny. I, th- I think one of the reasons we held off on having a full-time IPA for so long was this weird source of pride of we don't follow trends kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, the flip side of it is they're tasty beers. Yeah. And you know we like to put out lots of different things. We get caught up quite often in this thing where it's like, well, if we didn't do it first, we, don't, we just don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up our marbles thing. and go home. Right. You know, and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like we, we've got this thing where we always say we're not competing with other breweries. We're competing with what we did last year. Mm-hmm. But where like that's not entirely true is this backwards pride thing of, oh, you beat us to the punch on that. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to just jump we don't on want, the bandwagon. We don't want to follow you. We right, want to yeah. like lead our own path. So. Uh, this year we're going to be putting out a blueberry IPA and a double IPA. Um, nice. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably at some point Mess put it out. It we'll bit. probably wait until people hate them. I was going to say, wait, yeah. wait till it's <laughs> ironic. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> we could have done this yeah. when you liked it. Yeah. Not yeah. But now you hate it. We're going to make you love it again. <laughs> yeah. it'll, it'll, it'll be like something that. goofy like yeah. that, I'm sure. I like that attitude. I mean, it's, it's positive. Um, one thing I did want to touch on, which is kind of completely not to do with hazy beers at all, was um, the when we spoke on the phone, we talked about the the buyouts and stuff. I yeah. To really briefly touch on the employee-owned stuff. I don't know. Yeah, how for to sure. That, but if you want to speak to <laughs> like, just, just now for something completely different, different. Yeah. you talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we sold our brewery to our employees. Um, Novel concept. Very yeah, cool. it's uh, we're not the first ones well to done, do it. Well uh, there's some great examples in the states. Uh, New Belgium's uh, got an employee ownership plan. Mm-hmm. Left Hand does. Harpoon does. Okay. Uh, so we're we're not the first, but um, the the sort of concept behind this is uh, one. You know, again, we've got this sort of legacy thing that we're trying to create. And when I think about the legacy of the brewery, I don't want to think about how we're going to be remembered in two years. Right. I want to think about how we're going to be remembered in a hundred years. Okay. And, I like that. And the, the whole thing, with, when you start thinking in terms of hundred years, it's like, this has to be something that lives longer than I do. Um, 
And what that means is you have to start thinking, who's going who's gonna to be the steward of this when you're not doing it? And, you know, you start thinking about, well, you know, if that's a family member that's going to protect things, sure. If the family members actually like beer and if they, you know, are qualified, you know, weird things to think about, like, you know, but, uh, you know, that's maybe one way to do it. Um, selling it to another brewery is the best way to wreck the legacy of your brewery because yeah. then you've just given your legacy to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thought of the people that live and work and get their livelihood from the brewery, well, no one's going to be more invested in the long, long-term success of the brewery and the long-term reputation of it. And so that, that was kind of like the, the first half of, of the equation. Right. The other half is, you know, our fans, it's funny, I, I now have a third half that I'm going to add to this, but so there's three halves to this equation. Three halves. But the, the, the second <laughs> half is, exactly, is, is, uh, is our fans. Um, from day one, you know, when we were getting those taps and people would say, you know, hey, you know, you, thank you because we haven't had a local brewery since Hart, it'd be like, you know, thank you, please don't ever sell out. And actually say that, like actively. Yeah, and to this day, that is the comment I get the most when I talk to our customers and our fans, is please don't ever sell out. And as much as the big breweries would like to convince you that it's only does the beer taste good, that's the only thing that people care about, it's not not true. true. Mm -hmm. It's not true. They care about having a relationship with the people that make the beer, Mm -hmm. and they care about, you know, it actually being locally owned and locally run and you can argue that they shouldn't I, the big brewers certainly do uh, but I don't believe that I, I think it's really important um, and you look it's the same thing you know why do why do people call bands that go on to major labels sellouts right. uh, because there's a belief that when you have given control to someone that cares about nothing other than profit how is that going to make good decisions for the long term? And that to me is the biggest thing, is as soon as you're talking about a giant brewer, they can say as much as they want about, oh, we're never gonna change this, we're never gonna do anything. And that will be true as long as that is still the most profitable thing they can do. But they are, you know, they have to put out quarterly statements and the people that buy their stock could care less about craft beer, they care about their 401k or they care about their RRSP. And what it means is that any decision about keeping things the same or protecting that recipe, it's total bullshit if they they start thinking that that's not the most profitable thing they can do because that's the only thing that matters. It's, I feel bad saying it because I know like, a lot of the people in the breweries that have sold out still believe that to be true and until they're told otherwise they're going to but you know the the harsh reality is you know Molson Canadian did not start off being 70% corn syrup I'm not suggesting it is 70% I don't know what it's Maybe made of but about 80 you know yeah. <laughs> upwards of 90, 80, 90. Yeah. but but you look at the track record of these big brewers and they don't have a good track record yeah. uh, so 
So I can understand it. I, I got very tangential there. No, no, I apologize. No, I want to hear you talking. Uh, but, great. but so the, the second half is the fans, and then the third half, 150% here, <laughs> uh, the third half is, is our employees. Right. You know, these are the people that live and work here all the time. And uh, what I've been sort of worried about is, you know, we've got the Bo Shane family members who are part of the brewery, and we've got, you know, all of my unemployable friends that we hired. Um, <laughs> Not so unemployable now. <laughs> exactly. Now they've got a padded resume. <laughs> Super padded. And a great reference. Exactly. Yeah. Call Uncle Steve. Um, we also have lots of people, uh, like Taylor, uh, who's off camera there. G'day, who, Taylor. You know, great Blake. we didn't know before we applied to the brewery. Right. And we can we can tell Taylor till we're blue in the face, you know, we're gonna treat you exactly the same and you know want you to feel like family, want you to do this. But at the end of the day, if some of the family owns the company and some of the family does not own the company, the part of the com the part of the family that doesn't own the company is gonna feel a little bit like you're giving them a line of bullshit. Right. And I don't get me wrong, uh, one of the things that, that we've learned, we've also, so we've done a number of things kind of along the same same pathway here. So we've got the, the employee ownership program. We've also hired a full-time culture ambassador to make sure that we, we keep what's important to the brewery and protect things. We've also started doing an annual engagement survey. And one of the interesting things that we found out is, you know, a lot of our people are saying, hey, it's great that, you know, we've got some ownership here. I'm still working 80 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so it's, it's, it's been a good reminder for us that, you know, you can't just focus on sort of the really, really sort of high level, you know, sort of esoteric stuff like pride of ownership. Right. You got to also, you know, make sure that people have work-life balance and that you know, they feel recognized and valued and, and all that. And so with sort of the hiring of the culture ambassador and, and working through this engagement stuff, we're really sort of focused on making sure that, you know, our team feels valued, that they, you know, feel like they have balance in their lives. And what's what's been sort of interesting for us is because we have grown so fast for so long, it's been really hard on the team, right. you know? For me, like, I, I love this. I wake up in the morning and I'm excited to to talk about beer and make beer and everything about beer and I'm still happy if I'm doing that, you know, 18 hours later. Right. Uh, everyone in the company, I think, is able and willing and excited to do that on occasion. <laughs> Maybe not 18 hours. But seven days a week, 18 hours a day is just, it's too much for a lot of people. and and. So we, we've recognized that and we're, we're working on, on that. And it's, it's kind of an interesting thing for me too because it's, it's like you realize you're never done anything. Right. And, and I love it when people, I love hate, I, I, I love it and I hate it when people are like, oh, you guys have been so successful because it's a constant reminder to me that you know, success is only something that ever works in the past okay. you know, because we have been We've had a lot of great successes. We've also had a lot of spectacular failures. Um, but there's no protection that tomorrow we're going to continue to be successful. Um, and, and it's the same thing with kind of the team. Is like you can't say, 
hey, we made you an owner, so I can treat you like they garbage did. now. <laughs> yeah, and yeah I'm you're done. working 150 hours a week. Yeah. I'm done. Like, yeah. So it's you can't ever stop working on on everything. You know, not just working on you know new recipe development and new new cool beers to make, but you know the nuts and bolts. And it's uh, you get me talking. I just start rambling. <laughs> no, it's it's, um, it's, it's good. Uh, another interesting analogy is, you know, uh, 2009 we did an energy assessment because okay. we're, you know, trying to, to really sort of focus on sustainability. And, you know, when we sent out the, you know, the high paid consultants to do this assessment, they're like, what, what kind of things do you want us to really look at? And we're like, yeah, well, heat recapturing from, you know, from the kettle and then using that to create steam for this. and you know, uh, cold air uh, vents in the coolers and, you know, all this kind of cutting edge stuff that we've been hearing about. And the consultants came back and they said, turn off the lights, stupid. <laughs> um, and close the, close the cooler door. And we literally, we reduced our energy consumption by 50% over a three year period. And none of it was this fancy, cool new technology. All of it was, basic, you know, simple. basic, yeah. basic stuff. And and it's like you, you sometimes get caught up in like the coolest, sexiest, awesomest things, yeah. and you forget that what tends to make the most difference is getting the basics right. right. And 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 it's one of those things where you, even if you think you got it right, every so often you got to go back and make it right again. Right. And that's uh, it's it's you know the employee ownership is a really important step in this to make sure that everything goes well. But I've also learned through the process that. That's not the everything. That's like one piece of a puzzle, and that puzzle is around making sure that, you know, a hundred years from now we're still relevant. And the only way we're going to be relevant is if we've got people that are jazzed up and love what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's and the employee ownership. That's amazing. That <laughs> in, a in, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, no, that's fantastic, man. Like, it's, uh, I never really hear people like in business saying, you know, "Tiff and I are in business." So. We always like to talk about entrepreneurship and, and such, and uh, you don't really hear people, like, even like Gary Vee, we, we follow him pretty closely, he doesn't even talk about 100 years, so I like yeah. that. Yeah. Held into the future once, uh, clearly new, I guess by the time you watch this, maybe North Korea. It will be the, the future. Or, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> we'll it's be already the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I would like to do is, oh, it's my choice? It's Your choice, choice. yeah. We the lightning round. So we need a lightning round beer. Yep. Oh, jeez, I can't believe that. Oh, shit. Maybe we should bring a full circle back to lug trend. Oh, nice. Do you like that? Yeah. You like that, huh? Hey, hey. Do the while, honors. While I'm doing this, Steve-O, you're, uh, so this is our lightning round. You can answer this as uh, fast or as slow as you like. Oh, so um, I could be like slow lightning? Slow lightning, <laughs> which also works for us. What would be your guilty pleasure beer? So it would be a beer that maybe you might be embarrassed to admit to your mates or fellow craft beer nerds that you enjoy. Huh. So if it helps, like mine was like Corona. Labatt 50. Yeah. As I, I'm actually unashamedly Labatt 50. I'm one of these assholes that literally won't, won't drink macro beer anymore, and I, I piss, I piss my friends off <clears throat> constantly because we'll be at a place that just doesn't serve crap. I'll have water. And, well, no, I'll have whiskey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like they I mean, usually well, still have some probably better than water. But yeah, so like trying to come up with the guilty pleasure beer, like I'm trying to think. You know, like something like speckled like hen or something, yeah. you know? 
that's a very yeah. respectable. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I still like some of the stodgy British beers that mm-hmm. have been around for forever. Like you know, something Fuller's puts out is always yeah, wonderful. I like Fuller's, yeah. But like, I, I don't know that I'm supposed to feel guilty about it. It's just <laughs> not, you know, like necessarily the the trendiest, you know, whatever. Right. Like, you know, for me, you give me a good nut brown. Uh, basic beer, and I'm like, this is awesome. Get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I like that. Uh, cheers, festival. Cheers. First and foremost. Try poisoning. Very good. That feels good. That feels good. Like, try to give me the shady eyes. I don't know about this one. Give me the shady eyes. Beer you would decline under any circumstances. So, you went to a barbecue, you didn't bring anything, highly unlikely. But you do. And your mates like, hey, uh, Take one of these. Well, well and that's that's and pretty hot, much again it's the same answer, same, right? Same <laughs> it's all it's all the macro stuff. Um, someone said, "Hey, have a bud." You'd be like, "Yeah, actually, the last time I had a macro beer was at Rockfests three years ago, and I think it was John from the Doughboys handed me a beer, and I was just like, "Oh, you're so cool. I'm gonna drink this. I'm gonna drink this. I'm gonna pretend I, I like feel really you know what it." Really uh, It was a bud. It was a Budweiser because oh, yeah. they sponsored Rockfest. Okay, pretty bad. Yeah. But it's hilarious because they sponsor Rockfest and their tagline is "Yes, Sir Miller." <laughs> it's what? Yes, Sir Miller. <laughs> yes, Sir Miller. It's so I funny. Know, I don't know what that is, but I don't like Miller. <laughs> That's what I don't like. Okay, interesting. So then, the uh, favorite beer style. Like, wow, these are not lightning questions. No, these I are like, like thought like, yeah, pondering. Yeah, depends depends how you approach it. Well, I guess yeah. Like if I was a guy that like had a favorite style, I'd like, be really that'd be easy to say. Because but, you're a brewer, it's only harder. But maybe like if you walked into a store and you had to purchase you have every a beer, choice of style, and they were organized by style, where would you go first? Yeah. Where was your uh, your gut tell you to go? If I'm in Portland or Burlington, I'm gonna go to the IPA style. You're dead yeah. right, you are. Yeah, sure. Um, oh, you are. If if I'm in Russian River, I'm gonna go to the Sours. No. Okay. 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 Honestly, I like Pliny, but I I love their sours. You prefer Way their sours? More. Yeah. I haven't Cali. We have yeah, we're, Cali we're going to Cali like, next month. So, like, yeah. uh, Oh yeah. If if you if when you when you go there, uh, or if you order the sample tray, it's literally like one of those laboratory trays with all the test tubes. Oh nice. And nice it's guys. full. It's like there's like thirty test oh, tubes. Little, like, full actual of, test tubes. Of yeah, beer? full of full of beer and like ninety percent of them are sours. sours. See, <laughs> it sounds lovely. It, it, it sounds it. great. Yeah. Bring your tones. Theory, Bring yeah. your tones. Oh my god, so much acid uh, reflux. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the IPA, we're going to run with that. Next one is the least favorite beer style. doesn't mean you hate it. It just means maybe like... Like in general? It's in general. Uh, I would say German Pilsner. Whoa. Unexpected. Very unexpected. Yeah. Right uh, well, it's, it's, okay. just, it's just because I love <laughs> Czech, okay. I love Czech Pilsner okay. so much ah, okay. that oh. it's like... All right, fancy. You know, and... and, and, and Quite often, people don't actually identify what type of the pilsner it's right, going to be, and you're like, "Oh, I could really go for a Czech pilsner right now." And you get a German, and, and you're like, oh, "Guys, oh, I said just pilsner." Are you really saying that right after Oktoberfest? Like, isn't that funny? Oh, so? Isn't that funny? Okay. Yeah, I'm not, not calling you out, Steve. I'm just, yeah, just well, saying. and it's it's funny because like you know this year. I don't think we had any any pilsner. I think we're going to be putting out a North German pilsner. You did have a pilsner. I had the yeah. Van Brace yes. yesterday. I quite enjoyed that. Yes. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be crazy and have a pilsner. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had it right after the... Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I never drink that shit. Yeah. And I quite enjoyed that. That's right. right. That was hungry. our Pro-Am beer. Yeah, that's right. It was right. fantastic. I enjoyed it. I, I skipped it. 
<laughs> and I've had the beer. I've had the beer. It's wonderful. But you know, we had a sati there. You know? Yeah, Janice. Janice. I had that. Yeah, that I, shit. I got some Finnish people like commenting on my thing, like because I yeah. tagged it. Fin- yeah, yeah. some Finnish weird Finnish yeah. beer things. Right? We had a Dortmunder, which was very similar. I enjoyed that. And I'm like, I'll have one I think of that those. Was Brad's favorite? Have both, no, you know? Dortmunder alt beer. Uh, they had the stick alt, and they had a whole. They yeah, had the three knocks. The the stick yeah, out. Three knocks. So great. tasty. So much German um, stuff. You know, and and again we're. We were in the right temperature to enjoy a pilsner, oh, yeah. so oh, I totally, rec- yeah, totally recognize right the, the, the reason for that. This, the, Somehow the my first three beers were stouts. I don't know how I went with that. Yeah, you went in. You had the. <laughs> I had the you Cigar had the, City 11. percent Oh, the Hunapu. Oh my god. My god, you have to. But I did that first. Got it out of the way. Cause yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I gotta go lighter after yeah. that. But it's dangerous. Yeah. Now that I filled my body with this black ink. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now I can cleanse with a nice golden pilsner. Yeah, everything balances out. Yeah. Desert Island beer. So if you stuck in. Nice. That was an easy one. Light, that that, may, that, be that, mine. that one. may be mine as well, to be honest. Oh, it's TBH. The best thing about Lugtret is, you know, on a hot day, you can ignore it, and it's just mm-hmm. a refreshing beer. But it's also the kind of beer you can sit down and just drink it forever. Just pay attention to it, and it just keeps giving you something else. Yeah. It's really nice. I always I, appreciate it when I have it. I'm never like same. mad at a Lugtret. Yeah. <laughs> when are you mad at a Lugtret? Never. No one is, Steve. Uh, this comes back to your initial uh, mention of space travel, your beer trend <laughs> predictions, which could be space beer. Tell us what space beer. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. article about that shit. Sapporo grew like Bali. Yeah, they brew. They brew the beer international space station. Crazy. <laughs> they harvested that, made beer out of it. it was like a yeah. hundred bucks a bottle for like a basic. Lager yeah, for like stuff. a basic yeah. macro. <laughs> well, and uh, Dogfish did the Moon Dust beer a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they actually put moon dust in their beer. Oh, really? Yeah, that's so extra. Halloween, I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, let's see. I I'm still hoping to God it's Gruits. Um, <laughs> You're really yeah. pushing for those, eh? Well, that's why we do International <laughs> Gruit Day. Yeah. You know, and for the last two or three years, we've found at least one beer blogger that said, "Are Gruits next year's trend?" Uh, and we're like, "Yes, yes please, 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 please." please. <laughs> into it. And like to me that's it's one of the interesting things is like again, easy grew it yeah good. Yeah. <laughs> oh you heard it here first thirteen weeks before I it's have been an aired. NDA over there. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> we'll talk after. The royalty stream is coming your way. <laughs> yeah, seriously though, that is sick. Absolutely. Well Bogwater our sort of first yeah, room, yeah, right? yeah. the, first the whole ever. sort of concept behind that was our um, our Alfred Bog, which is, you know, it's a bog that is you know 20 kilometers away that by all rights shouldn't exist okay. and we're like well, let's make a beer after that let's call it bog water because that's funny uh-huh. and it's then funny. and then we're like well how do we make this come come to you life bog like, means in australia i do yeah <laughs> <laughs> we yeah that became a topic on uh, the bar towel as soon as we launched it Don't they, oh those guys are <laughs> stupid <laughs> I'll be in it. Sorry, continue, continue. I apologize. Uh, I don't even know where I was going anymore. You guys ain't the bug again. Uh, we were talking about trend predictions. Actually, one beer tradi- uh, prediction that a lot of brewers were saying is the three, the, 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 no, the three fifty five. Right, and you guys did it. And yep, that's, with the legend. Yeah. Future. We're living in the future. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's you know the whole can thing's been really interesting to watch, and and a lot of it I think is um, it's being dictated not by consumer choice but by uh, the the retailer's choice. Uh, okay. It's easier for them to stock cans on shelves, and so they've been moving more and more towards cans. But as they've done that, the consumers have become more and more okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to me, the the part that 
that I've always sort of worried about cans is this idea of commoditization. Okay. Um, you know, when everybody's in the exact same package, and then you know, and then I know a lot of places like to, like you said, you know, if if the store is arranged by style, where do you go? What scares me about that is, okay, you've got a uniform sized can, and you've got IPA, and then you've got stout, and then you've got this. And it's just a row of labels, yeah. and it it, it really it really scares me that you know what used to be the most special thing was like oh wow I found this this cool thing by this cool brewery is now like oh I'm just gonna go to the style and I'm gonna randomly choose one and yeah and I don't really know anything about the brewery or what they're about or you know like the 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 idea of commoditization to me is the first step in craft beer losing significance. Hmm. And so for us, when we moved to the 355 can, a lot of it was just saying, I don't want to be just another can on a shelf. I want to stand out. I want people to, to notice it's different. And like being in a 600 mil bottle means we lose a lot of sales because it's... If they just want to try it, it they have to, they're yeah. dedicated to a whole big bottle. Well, the number of bars that can't fit a 600 mil bottle on the shelf... I didn't even think of that. It's yeah. staggering. Yeah, think about you it. You know, so, so we... But it's like one of those things where it's like, well, we want to stand out, we want to be special, and that means we can't be everything to everyone. And when you have conversations like that, you're having conversations about uniqueness, which means the exact opposite of commoditization. Right. And that's, uh, you know, I recognize it's... If you're a new brewer, you're like, well, what am I going to put my beer in? Well, it'll probably be that 473, yeah, sure. or the 500 mil yeah. can, because it's easier to get it on a shelf. You're going to get less nose, but then like, we we become our worst problems, right? Is when when we start copying each other. So th this is the lightning round. This, this is, is what I you call guys. it the molasses no, round. No, we should just. Yeah. Preface exactly. it, it's yeah. the molasses. Now, round. to be fair, you fed like three beers into this brain yes. after an Oktoberfest. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it's a you're, you're getting me at my uh, best. At your best, right? You're getting <laughs> all the gold. Yeah. Um, I like that though. So, then the next one favorite up and coming breweries? Mm. Well, Matt Tweedy's uh, uh, Tooth and Nail. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we can mm. still say up and coming because they've been around already, for yeah. like more than a month. Yeah. <laughs> like, Right now, you can't be an up-and-comer if you're That's like true. six it's months old, you know? It's, yeah. it's wild. Uh, but I, I just, I love what he's doing. Obviously, yeah, I, I, if I want to plug my own stuff, um, you know, Halcyon Barrel House, is, it's a startup within a brewery. Yep. Uh, so it's a different brewmaster. Bryce uh, McBain's our brewmaster for, for this part. And, you know, in a, in a world where sort of sours have become the next trend, yep. um, a lot of breweries are doing kettle sours because it's fast and easy. Of course. Uh, this is all Very barrel cheap. fermented, all mixed fermentation, all barrel aged, bottle condition. This is this is the way it Real should be stuff. done. And uh, and and I love it. And I, I you know I love that we're back into startup mode. Yeah. You know where it's like everything's chaotic and new, and you got to change Figure everything on out. the fly. Yeah. And it's 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 so much fun. Uh, but, but yeah, it's it's also kind of that cheesy brewery thing to promote your own stuff when someone would say, "Can you tell me about a brewery you like?" And you're like, well, I like my brewery because like it's awesome. They're the bestest. <laughs> well, you know, the truth is the truth. <laughs> I can't be mad at you. Favorite beer city, destination, or country? 
I love Burlington, especially because it's so close. Um, Portland, I... Maine or Oregon? Oregon. Uh, Portland, I absolutely love, but I find it a pain in the ass to navigate that river. They need more bridges. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I haven't, been, haven't been either, yeah. Uh, oh, if you haven't, like, it's Mecca. Yeah, yeah we and, keep yeah. hearing about it. And yeah. it, it's, it's wonderful. The um, there's lots of cool spots in, in California. San Diego is just We go to San Diego wonderful. literally yeah. next week. Next yeah. week. Uh, yeah. If you want to go, like, there's obviously, like, the old world. Um, and then, yeah, like, the stone and, like... No, like, the old world, like, oh. Belgium and, you know... Oh, of course. You know, yes. uh... You know, uh, Strasbourg is a really interesting... Germany? Uh, it's actually technically in France right now, but this is this weird, weird town that has at one time been part of Belgium, one time part of uh, France, well, it's France now, oh, and Germany? one time German. Wow. So it's got, like, a beer culture that's right. really, really beer, cool. Yeah, beer countries. And it's this old, old town, and uh, the reason I know it is that they used to do the Mondial de, de la Bière there, and they've moved it to Paris because the, the festival never really took off there. But man, did we ever have fun yeah. in that town after the festival was over. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> we have to keep getting out to Europe. People keep saying, like, because Oktoberfest in, like, right, right now. just happened. Yeah. Like, everyone keeps saying it's so fire. Yeah. So. We just had the, the weird barrel guys from Brazil here, and we're going out to visit them in Sa Sao Paulo, uh, oh, Brazil. Yeah. Nice. So I'm really excited to check out the Brazil scene, too. Brazil's doing some right, things these days. They keep engaging yeah. with us yeah. all the time. I really feel like it's growing. There's a bunch Definitely. of cities, like Brazil, Rome has a crazy beer yeah. scene, like craft beer scene. There's yeah. a whole bunch of places now. Um, underrated style, brewery, city or country, just something in general that feels underrated to Ain't you. getting its props. I mentioned the nut browns, you know. A common, common answer. Um, you know, I, like, I don't, colors aren't styles. <laughs> but, great point. Great point. Uh, a brown beer, thanks. Uh, I think yellows are coming back. <laughs> it's going to be fizzy. What, what's yeah. the fall color yeah. this year? Uh, it's, it's funny, you know, uh, I used to avoid those beers like the plague mm -hmm. because they were just so boring. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like Benelux does an yeah. American brown that is to die for. And like I go to Benelux and I'm like, that's all I want. Yeah. Is that, well, no, that's not true actually. Because <laughs> they make so many good beers. That's what you have first. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Then try that again. It's been a while. That's good. Um, then best beer you ever drank in your life? Oh wow! Yeah. Not to put you on the spot. It's or often anything. situational. People, yeah. some people would be like, I was on a, I was on a boat on a lake and I was fishing and I just. Yeah. Some people have told us Budweiser is the situation. Like some extraordinarily talented brewers. Yes. Some people are idiots. Some. <laughs> Do you know who told us that? Was yeah. JF from JF uh, from JDCL. JDCL. So the like, best yeah, was his favorite. He was on a boat and I'm Steve so Coach so sorry. Sorry. Yeah, 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 romantic story. I'm so sorry, you're an idiot, JF. <laughs> we'll cut that part. Oh, we'll cut we're not cutting that at all. Controversy. Oh, a good man, um, <laughs> the first craft beer I ever had was Boreal Roos, and that's got a special place in my heart. Mm. Uh, it was my 18th birthday, and my buddies took me to the original Mad Hatters, uh, which hasn't existed for a long time now. Um, but uh, but it was just this, you know, just eye-opening moment. Um, so I would say that, or my very first homebrewed beer. Oh, nice, uh, easy there. Uh, you know, which was. You know, technically terrible, but I made it. Uh, so what was the style? It was like one of those kit beers. Yeah, like just the, like extract. It was, and... it was the red. Oh, the red. <laughs> the red. Oh, you I love the red those colors. colors. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So 
you know, Boreal Roos to this day has a special place in my heart, and I can't, I can't not drink it and not be just brought like, back to that mm-hmm. moment. That's sick. Because like at in those point, at that point, like there, no one called it craft beer. It was you know micro. Brew oh yeah, beer. micro brewery, nano brewery, micro brewery. Yeah, and and like just even hearing that that was a thing. Was, and again, it's like this. This, this theme in my life is, you know, these independent breweries have always been, the, you know, the thing that really, really wowed me. You know, when I first moved to Toronto, um, what is now Amsterdam was the Rotterdam Brew Pub. Mm-hmm. And you could go there and, like, oh. you could see the vestments and you're yeah. like, wow. This is crazy. This is, like, this is 1995 <laughs> and I'm, like, seeing Losing this. It. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, you know, those moments just don't go away. Yeah. And uh, you know, I can't remember the last time I had an Amsterdam Nut Brown, but man, I love that beer. Uh, when when it was like it didn't taste like fizzy yellow stuff Macro. that had no flavor. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So oh, yeah, very important. That's a great answer. Death row beer slash meal pairing. So last beer you'd ever have. Mm. Is there anything like? I probably do like stout and oysters. Oh, fair. That would be any particular step. Scotty's happy with that one. Well, if it's my last meal, it's going to be a Russian Imperial, and I'm going to have it in like a Steinfeld pig, and I'm going to get as loaded as possible. (laughs) Hopefully, with a shot of heroin. Yeah, (laughs) throw heroin in the mix. No one's ever said heroin. No one's ever said. Steve, are you okay? (laughs) Do we talk? It's your last meal. Are you worried about the addiction? How good are the oysters going to take? Overdose? Not that much. You're not praying for that. Like, if anything, that overdose would save you some uncomfortable poop. Valid points, in front of others, you know? valid points, Steve. A lot of others. Very valid. <laughs> uh, favorite style to brew? Uh, Even though it's uh, Uncle Maddie uh, taking care of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So um, I, I, <laughs> this is going to sound mean, but I'm going to say our, our, our Kiss My beer because it the guys have to work so hard <laughs> so you like to watch them work oh well it's just earn your money to me it's so cool because like you know they're they're scooping out the rose hips and you get all the rose oh, hips so and, sexy. you know and then the cranberries come out and, you know if you're like walking by you can have a handful Good. of cranberries mm, and the, the, the bog cranberry. myrtle and the maple syrup and it just like it's just there's so much that goes into this I, I love just in general brewing with Anders Kissmeyer we've got like what we call the Anders twist okay. he's like I don't think he can make a straight-ahead beer because it's like this is my pilsner. Oh, great, nice pilsner. What's what's that interesting flavor? Oh, I added this fruit you've never heard of. Yeah, <laughs> I saw you did the collab with Dunham. It was the uh, Leo's early breakfast. I went to drink that and I tasted the exact same thing. It was some sort of weird herb. I'm like, what's going on? I turned the label and I kissed my mouth. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Makes sense. He's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, last question: um, Worst beer you ever brewed in your life? Mm-hmm. Even though maybe you might not have been responsible, but perhaps in the brewery. Yeah, so I will blame someone else. It's actually one of my favorite ones we've ever done, okay. uh, and it's the only beer that I have actually put my name on the label. Okay. Uh, Double Coit. We worked with a beer researcher named Ron Pattinson from the Netherlands, and he dug up this recipe that predated the Rhein Heitzkebet. Oh, fifteen fifty. Yeah, so it, but it was like really close. It yeah. was like a fifteen twelve recipe <laughs> that he'd found or something, and uh, it was an oatmeal gruet. Oh, fifty percent of the mash was oats. Wow! And it turned the whole mash into concrete. <laughs> it just like gelled up in there, nightmare to and clean. yeah, it was like a, I think something like an eight hour runoff or something stupid like that. Damn. And then we got it into the fermenter. 
and we're like go to the go to the sample cock and pour out this like gooey oh. oatmeal sludge and Yum. we're like oh oh <laughs> and then like a week later nope it's still disgusting yeah. uh, we ended off pouring out 600 liters of this goopy stuff out of a 1500 liter batch yeah almost um, to to then finally get to this wonderful gold beer with these really interesting interesting flavors and aromas um, the brewing team half of them just hated it so much and I think Matt was at the point he's like this can't go out with my name as the brewmaster like I I don't like this beer yeah. and and I loved it and I was like but my name would have been fine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so the the label for that beer is literally me writing about why this is historically significant and very unique and why I think it's just an interesting experience and then it's my name at the bottom mm -hmm. and uh, and it, it was because of this internal controversy in the brewery and people loved that beer for like the 700 liters yeah, that were left there, of yeah. it and then and then like good luck convincing the guys to ever try <laughs> to it again. It, so yeah. it's like one it will day. never exist Forget again that. like if there's ever going to be a beer we never do again that's that one. it's double coy there's no bottles no bottles sitting around i've got i think i've still got one in we <laughs> should hang on to that yeah. yeah kind of funny again um we keep what's called steve's privates okay. in the brewery so it's i've got my own lock box in the cooler nice uh where i keep you know just a couple examples of you know like everything not everything, everything, and like when stuff goes bad, like quite often right. it goes away. Yeah. But but I think I've still got one in there. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it just, just doesn't exist. <laughs> That's amazing, Steve. I'm going to let you go. We're taking up enough of your time, mate. Thank you so much it's for been a lot uh, of the chat. Yeah, That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so um, much, man. Great time, Follow you guys. Likewise. It's at Bose All Natural everywhere. Yeah. Pretty Across much. The board, yeah. Online, on yeah. social website, all that. Yeah. Well, yeah. the website's Bose.ca, but even easier. Google finds this stuff. Yeah. You don't, you don't even use need your to Google know. kids. Use your Google <laughs> machine. Do the Googles. <laughs> um, that's it, guys. So if you enjoyed the podcast, give us a thumbs up and a subscribe on YouTube. Okay. Check us out on social media at BAOS Podcast, and of course, if you like these long form, good ass conversations with gentlemen like Uncle Steve, check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts. And that's it, guys. Cheers. Peace. See you guys.